Mm. Isn't that Aramaic translation of the Lord's Prayer just set you to vibrating? Lend your voices only to that. Only to that. What if we all lent our voices only to that which leads to freedom and love? <laughs> I don't think it would even take that many of us to do that, to create a sea change, a paradigm shift in our world. And so each of us, to the very extent that we can in every day, when we can do that, when we can notice that our, we're lending our voices to sounds of things that aren't freedom or love, sounds of complaint, sounds of them versus us, sounds of criticism, sounds of misunderstanding, sounds of blame, sounds of self-blame. What if we started to pay enough attention to something that is true and that is deep within us that we could change the world. So all this month, as we lead up to Easter, which is happening in April, I'm gonna be talking about different um, parables and stories of Jesus the Christ. And he came to this earth, and in three years of teaching that we know of, he taught love again and again and again, and not in just the words that he used, but in the way that he behaved, in the way he lived, in the way he treated people, in the way he acted. He was an example of what a life lived from love, lending voices only to sounds of freedom and love and truth can look like. And yeah, he paid a price for it, and one might say the world wasn't ready for that yet. Well, they were ready enough that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about him. His words resonated that much and changed enough people that we're still talking about it. Now, some of us are talking about it in ways that aren't necessarily that helpful and in my view aren't probably maybe what he meant when he was talking. So that's what we're gonna go through is some of these parables. And one of the, and this isn't so much parables, you know, he, 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 he came to teach, and I think that's one of the things that the Pharisees got so angry about. The Pharisees were the priestly caste. And if there was going to come a teacher to earth to teach somebody, they figured they ought to be the ones that ought to hear him. But instead, he was out there talking to Joe Schmo and Lou Schmoo. How dare he talk to them? He was talking to tax gatherers. <laughs> he was talking to IRS agents and strippers. Yeah, I heard what you said. <laughs> The, the equivalent of that in that lifetime, women who were considered completely outcast from society. Children, you realize that children, that children, childhood is a modern invention that for most of human history, children were just small people and meant to carry their part and even more. They were considered um, their parents' um, property. They were legally their parents' property. Wives were legally their husband's property. So they could do whatever they want to with him. It's good if you had a benevolent husband or a benevolent father, but 
He didn't have to. So this idea of Jesus saying, let the children come unto me, they were the least important people in society, even below women, if you can imagine. And he said, no, no, no. Don't keep the children away from me. Don't keep the children away. They're the ones who know. They're the ones who haven't had the love and the joy and the laughter and the freedom and the fun beat out of them quite yet. And only from that frame of mind, ready to capture joy in any moment, regardless of what is going on, ready to play and have fun from that frame of mind, then you might be able to hear what I have to say, he said. Be as the little children, and then you can enter the kingdom of heaven. And so that's what we're talking about today, the kingdom of heaven. He uses that phrase, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, over and over and over again in the Gospels. And he compares it to several different things in hopes that we would somehow figure out what, that, what it was that he meant. It was a central theme of his preaching. And I believe that he didn't mean some place up in the sky that we go to after we're dead he meant a consciousness that we carry within us. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is among you. The kingdom of heaven is within you. In Luke 7, 21, he says, neither shall they say, lo, here it is, or lo, there it is. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Don't say it's there. Don't say it's over there. Don't say it's in the church. Don't say the Pharisees have it. Claim it for yourself. And in Matthew, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree. So the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. The beauty of that moves me to tears. The tiniest, tiniest, tiniest little seed that anybody really knew of at that point. When it's planted and allowed to grow, fed and nurtured and watered, it grows into the tallest tree, into a great bush with many leaves that houses, oh, birds, they come and make their nests in the branches. Now what might birds symbolize if you were thinking about it? Our higher thoughts maybe? Freedom, who's freer than the birds? So when we allow that little seed inside of us, it doesn't matter how tiny it is, in other words. You don't have to have it full-blown. You don't have to have it all figured out. All you have to do is realize that there is a seed within you and then do your best to nurture it. And if you continue to do so, as tiny as it seems in the beginning... And as absent as it seems, maybe before anything sprouts, and as tiny as the sprouts are and as tender as they are when they first come out, if you continue to feed them, to feed them, then it will grow into such a bush that all of the higher thoughts of the kingdom of God will nest in it. Not just come and flit and leave, but make it their home in that, brand, in that bush that is you. The freedom of the world lives within you. Ooh, isn't that just beautiful? 
He spoke in such elegant language. I would like to know what that was, was in Aramaic. He also says in Matthew, God's kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field for years and then accidentally found by a trespasser. Somebody walking along and went, what's that? The finder is ecstatic. What a find. This is from the Message Bible. And proceeds to sell everything that he owns to raise money and buy that field. Does that remind you of anything else that Jesus said when the rich man came to him and said, I want to follow you. And he said, good, sell everything you have and come on. Get rid of it all. Give it away. What? So the trespasser finds this. Does that mean that sometimes we stumble upon the kingdom of God by accident? I think it does. Sometimes we have an awakening, and it can be as small as a mustard seed or a flower or a butterfly or a a looking up at the sky one day or a looking into another one's eyes and going, there has to be more than what this earth looks like. There has to be more than that. And even if you just stumble across it like a trespasser, you could just go, that's really cool, and go on your journey. Or you could say, that's not only cool, but that is the most important thing I have ever seen. And I'm going to get rid of every other thing I have so that I can raise enough funds, energy, money is just energy, it's a method of exchange, so that I can raise enough energy to own that for it to be mine, for me to put the energy in it to make it mine. It doesn't mean to steal it from someone else. It means that you realize how valuable it is and you begin to realize that you can give up anything that's not that because that will be the thing that nurtures you beyond anything. That will be the thing that brings you what the prayer says, your daily bread your forgiveness, your being forgiven, all of that. Or, he goes on, God's kingdom is like a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and buys it. I think that means that one pure, perfect glimpse of the truth of God is more valuable than all of the stuff we stockpile around it. And I love that image of a pearl. It's, it's shiny, it's um, iridescent, and yet it's somewhat opaque. You can't see into it, you can't see through it, and yet you can sort of see part of the way into it. Its iridescence shines so beautifully. And I'm just going to carry on this metaphor a little further than Jesus did. And if you wear a pearl around your neck, it becomes more and more lustrous as your body oils mix with it. Did you know that? Pearls get more beautiful as they age. Or, God's kingdom is like a fishnet cast into the sea, catching all kinds of fish. And when it is full, it's hauled onto the beach. And the good fish are picked out and put in a tub, and those unfit to eat are thrown away. Well, yeah. 
We take it all in. We do that. We do that in our lives. We're cast in a wide net often. And so we look at everything that there is and we go, wait a minute, what is of value here? So when you're deciding what to watch on TV, you might cast a really wide net and then go, these things aren't going to nurture me, but this one might. I'm going to sell you a movie right now. Have you, has anybody seen um, A Man Named Otto? It's based on a book called A Man Named Ova by Frederick Bachman that I read years ago and fell in love with, and then there's a Swedish film made of it, and I thought, no way is the American movie going to really carry the, the meat of it the way it did, but it, it did, and it's a transformation story. It's about somebody who didn't think he had anything to live for, and because of love coming into his life, he changed. That's all I'm going to tell you. Spoiler alert. That's all I'm going to tell you. But this idea that if we focus our attention and our time, what are we spending our time on? What are we putting our money toward? What are we staring at? What are we paying attention to? And what are we barely even noticing? Yeah, yeah. I'll do that later when I be get more spiritual. <laughs> right, now, right now, this is more fun. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not criticizing anybody. There's, but we cast a wide net. And in order to really get down to where the kingdom of heaven is, we have to start being willing to let go of all the stuff that does not serve. That's what the whole principle of letting go is. That's the whole principle of forgiveness. Forgiveness of others or self-forgiveness. It's about letting go of what does not serve. Does it serve me? And maybe he, what he did was horrible. Maybe I didn't deserve that. But does it serve me to think of him all the time and keep directing my negative thoughts toward him or toward myself because of the situation with him? Or does it make more sense to say, I will be better served by saying, I let you go, sir. And now I'm looking at the fish that are good to eat. Get that dogfish out of your net. Yeah? And then you can enjoy the salmon or whatever fish it is you like. <sighs> so he goes on to say, that's how it will be when the curtain comes down on history. The angels will come and call the bad fish and throw them in the garbage. And then we'll be, there will be a lot of desperate complaining, but it won't do any good. And Jesus asked, are you starting to get a handle on this? And they answered, yes. And Jesus went, not really. He said, then you see how every student well-trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. So this throwing away of the old fish by the angels isn't like you, 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 you are not good enough, so get out of here, and the rest of you come on and you can have the kingdom of heaven. No, the kingdom of heaven is already within you. And angels, what that word means in the Greek, angelos, means messenger of God. So when we listen to the messages from our higher power, from our highest self, from love, from the Christ, from God, then we will have the wisdom to call what is not working. And what is working will have space to grow and grow and grow and move and not just change, but change us. 
And then when a situation comes up where he's doing that thing again, it's like we own a general store. We already have what we need. We've already been forgiving. We've already, we know how to do that. We know how to let go. We know what our process is. We know how to go to God and ask for help. We know what our process is because we've been doing those things that serve us. We know how to feed our own spirits so that we have the strength to let go. We know what our process is. And so as we cultivate the kingdom of heaven, that's exactly what we're doing. We're getting more and more tools in our toolbox, more and more on the shelves of our general store. And I love this. This is in Luke. And Jesus said, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't give up and get up and give you anything. And then Jesus says this, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely give, get up and give you as much as you need. I think what that means, if you want the kingdom of heaven, you better be persistent about it. Don't say, I want the kingdom and go, hmm, I don't feel anything. I guess that's a no. Oh, well, right? You have to be persistent. Keep on, keep on knocking. And then this is my favorite verse in the Bible. And so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks the door will be open. That's a huge promise, y'all. Yeah. That's a huge promise. So what are you not asking for? How many times have you sort of given a half-hearted knock and gone, oh, they're not home. <laughs> right? He doesn't say, stand around and everything you need will come to you. He says, ask, seek, knock. Do the footwork. Don't give up. Don't be deceived by the tininess of a seed or a sprout. Don't be deceived by how many dogfish are in your net. There's good fish in there too, but you've got to get rid of the other stuff. You have to do the footwork. The kingdom of heaven is within you. It is within you, but that doesn't mean that you are well acquainted with it. Right? How often do you go there? How often do you go there? And what if we were to come to be able to live most of our lives, to have enough tools to be able to stay there in the kingdom of heaven as often as possible, as often as our awareness and our imperfect humanness will allow? How might not just our lives, but the whole world change? Because here's the thing about having a general store and having every tool that you need. If you have a general store, that means other people can come to you and say, help, this is what I need. You may be the closest thing to a door they know to knock on. They might not even have seen the mustard seed inside themselves, but maybe you got a mustard seed in your general store. And you can say, look at this, plant it, see what happens. Or you don't have to plant this when you've already got one, but you know, start nurturing it. Pay attention to it. Give it some light. 
give it some water, give it some food, give it some love, and see what happens. And that is what happens when we have our toolboxes full, when we have compassion in place that we can get to more quickly. You know, some of us, I mean, some days, it's not just some of us, some days I'm like, it takes me a long time to get, that is just simply unforgivable. Mm -hmm. Did God say, except for the things that are just simply unforgivable? Never, never. And so when we believe it's unforgivable, we better go into our general store and see if we have a tool to work on that. We might need a chisel. <laughs> we might need a chisel and that's okay. As long as we're aware and we recognize that the unforgivableness is not in the person who did the deed, it's in our inability to do it yet. And in order to do it, we have to do it from the place of the kingdom of heaven. We have to ask, we have to seek, we have to knock. And then those doors will be open, the tools will be given to us to do what is ours to do, to set up this beautiful, beautiful ability to live in the world as an imperfect human but with a constant understanding that you have every minute access, in a second, access to this kingdom of God within you. And all of the tools and all of the joys that that implies. So, what are you waiting for? Pour some water on that mustard seed. So, one more time, I'm going to read to you just the version that we're used to in, um, in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, kingdom of heaven, Holy Spirit of perfect love, which is within and among us, hallowed be thy name. Let me understand how holy that is in every moment. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let me live from this kingdom. Let the kingdom come forth from me rather than all the other stuff I might be sending out. And thy will be done. The will of God, the will of perfect love, let that be done on earth as it is in heaven, in my human life as it is when I'm sitting in my meditation corner reading the Bible, right? On earth as it is in heaven. It's already that way in heaven. Bring it down to earth. Give us this day our daily bread. Whatever it is that I need in order to nurture this kingdom of heaven within me, I am open to receiving it. And I am asking for it, God. I am asking, seeking, and knocking. As, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us the stuff that we just still haven't gotten right in the same way that we will forgive those who haven't gotten it right yet with all of the compassion within us about how that feels to not get it right even though we really want to get it right. And even further than that, we will be forgiven our debts as we forgive our debtors because if we're nailing them to the wall, we're having to stand there holding on to that nail. We're both in prison. We're both in prison. And lead us not into temptation or just um, uh, 
Um, recently, in 2019, um, the Italian Catholic Church went back to some of the earlier translations of the Bible and reinterpreted that as, do not let us fall into temptation. Because as, pope, as the Pope said, um, God doesn't lead us into temptation. God is our friend. God is always there for us. But help me. Help me not fall. Because it's all around me. I love that. But deliver us from evil. Allow me to walk through, the li through this life knowing that there are things that really don't look like the kingdom of heaven, that really don't look like love, that really don't look forgivable. Allow me to walk through that without it affecting me. As I've said many times before, hate never wins unless it wins in you. Other people can hate. That's their deal. If you hate them back, that hate has won. If you keep to your love in the face of anyone's hate, then hate has not won and cannot win ever. Amen. Ever. And then this part was added later, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. That wasn't in the original. But it's nice. The kingdom and the power and the glory. What a nice reminder. We can do all this stuff that's in the prayer because there is a kingdom that is full of power and glory. Amen. Thank you. So we'll just take that into a little quiet time. I'm just going to ask you to simply breathe and make yourself comfortable, whatever you need to do to be able to go inward for just a few moments. And that kingdom of heaven is within you. So I'm asking you now to just knock on the door. We are promised it will be opened. Seek it. And you will find it. Ask and you will receive. So this kingdom of heaven in you right now might be as tiny as a mustard seed or it might be a small bush or it might be a big flowering tree. It doesn't matter. The entire mighty oak tree lives in the acorn. <laughs> 